recorded straight out of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sutherland and Magic Mike Christie. Yep. And you wee fuds are listening to episode 259. Today on the podcast, we find out if Magic Mike likes scary movies with Wes Craven's Scream. How you doing, man? Aye, man, aye. Just getting there. You know, everyone's, kind of, everyone's kind of on the up for now, so mm-hmm. good. You know, I took my first, my first function of the year in my work. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say something like you took your first shit. Like... That's it. Was like, you took his first fuck. Like, where's this going? But, <laughs> yes. So I, because that's that you are in the catering food restaurant business. So yes, functions make perfect sense. Oh, aye. So, aye. Let's do our honourable thing first and have a look. Obviously, it's been a little while since we've uh, recorded our episode of The Rock. There has been a few people that have passed away. Um, so I need to start by mentioning the passing of Paul Ritter. He is a, also a British actor. I'm not too familiar with, but I know he is oh, yeah, famous yeah, yeah. for that Friday night, uh, Friday the Channel night. 4 show. Dinner. Yeah, yeah. Fucking... You never watched it? Never. Oh, man, it's, it's funny. It's it's simple humour, eh? Like, like he's always the dad, like the sight of like the hills. I think, I think he's Jewish, and uh, so like in like the fucking, they have all the stuff put in the house and all that, and like fucking, they have like a wacky next door neighbour that comes mm-hmm. in, and he's like shalom, <laughs> and that's yeah. like he's he, like he's always. Talking about how everyone's hot, I mean, it's everyone's hot, it's no hot, it's bloody boiling, and he's always got his fucking tap off it. <laughs> and it's just the, the fucking the stuff that goes on. Aye. Involving like the fucking the two sons. Always one of those things that made me look like, oh, it's something not too far away from like the in betweeners. Maybe just ah, because yeah. it has one of the guys yeah, um, wealth in between us. Yeah. And then there's always a it reaches it to like other cut like like the two like the two like grands and all that and then it's oh the fucking some of the some of the stuff I really really fucking get it uh, really good. They're all like twenty minute episodes and all that. So. Yeah, it might be worth something to catch up on. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, you can't find anything to watch. We'll just chuck on a random episode that's like either been recorded on TV or just on Netflix. Aye. No, that, that's what they're there for. So I, I obviously Paul passed away uh, on at the age of 54 and I unfortunately was with a, a brain tumour. So he does have some uh, film credits. He was uh, credited for been in uh, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, and uh, a role in the James Bond movie Quantum of Solace. I've not seen Quantum of Solace in years. So I couldn't even think 
was that a big role? Was that a small role? Uh, he was just credited as Guy Haynes. So, and I mean, not long after that, we'll skip past uh, Prince Philip and get more to uh, DMX. This was painful because it was like all week we kind of knew about it. The guy had suffered uh, from a drug overdose. And yeah. it was also he just fucking left him in like a vegetative state. Uh, so it was probably for the best that he just kind of like his heart kind of gave out. Eh? Aye, that's it. It was just like man, he was only age fifty, and like I mean, for us, it was kind of like fucking kind of was in like cradle of the grave. Romeo must die. Aye, exactly. Kind of that stage where it was helping fucking Jet Li break in to like fucking Hollywood, and it was just like through these fucking uh, like kung fu. It was the really kung fu movies, but they're like action thrillers, and it's kind of your mixture of like rap culture and martial arts, and they got it just right where it kind of just fucking blew up. Like Romeo Must Die was huge. Cradle to the Grave, that's not got, like, not everyone loves it, but still a highly watchable film. Yeah, like, oh, because I always remember that scene of fucking Jet Li in the MMA cage and under, like, underground fighting bit. Oh, right, aye. But man, also, I fucking love the DMX uh, videos on YouTube where he's on those slingshot, uh, f- like, f- um, I was going to say roller coaster rides, but it's not. It's where it's like two people in a ball and on the bungee cords and they get launched uh, into the air and they have the camera on it. And on this, there's like two or three of them and it's DMX and he's just, obviously, he's this fucking badass rapper. And when he's on this thing, he's going, oh, shit, shit, fuck, okay, Ah, bring it! And he's just dropping the N word, going, ah, brack, brack, come on! And then they launch him in the air and he screams like a girl. And he just gets to the top, realizes he's alive, and then he just starts getting all macho, going, fuck yes! Ah, come on! <laughs> oh, I have to send them to you. They're so funny, where he's just like, okay, I'm good, I've got my hard man persona. Oh, I'm getting a wee bit scared, though. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, no! And he gets launched in the air. Oh, that's so funny. It, his fucking song, like, X Gonna Give It To You, is fucking synonymous with, like, Deadpool. Like, uh, that's the fucking yeah. song I hear when I think of that film. It's just such a badass song. And then, and, uh, also when, when they also passed away and I, like, I got him to work, Michelle was like, who's DMS? And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I had to explain to her who DMS was. And, uh, and she was like, remember, she's like, you're like four years older than me. She was like, so when you were listening to him, and uh, she's like, I was underage. I was like, oh, did he say that? <laughs> yeah, but like, you, you can't say that. It, it doesn't mean that, oh, well, you're too young to listen to that music, but. Uh, ah. Yeah. Kids these days. I can listen to his music quite a bit when I was. 
I think he was the only reason I used to buy the Tim Westwood collaboration series because there was always a couple of DMS tracks on it that were quite good that weren't on his actual album. So right. Ah, oh, fucking. Ah, it's a bit. Uh, I really, I really want to watch fucking Romeo Must Die again. Like I fucking love that film. Mm-hmm. Love it. Even the one he done with uh, Steve Steve Seagal, Exit Wounds is pretty Exit good. Exit Wounds. I have never uh, seen that one. Anthony Anderson's in it as well, and it's it's, it's fucking great. Uh, I mind Andy being really high on it. I'm sure it's on Amazon Prime actually. Huh. Again, it's like ninety minutes. Aye. It's almost I like like you could probably think it as like Roman must die, but it's just thinking Skelly replaced with Steven Seagal. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, another name that I'd pass, uh, Joseph Saravo. He is an Italian actor uh, who's known for his roles in Jersey Boys and The Sopranos. He passed away at the age of 64 after losing a battle with cancer. And then last week, I think another big name was the passing of British actress Helen uh, McElroy. Oh, from... McRory. Oh, oh Shen. It mentions, obviously, she's got, a, again, Harry Potter and James Bond. I was a mind the intro, man. I was just like, who's that? Like, I don't have to. And, obviously, I think... She, Maybe more famously, uh, she uh, she must have a significant role in Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Uh. And the, the other big link that I only found out today was that she's she was the wife of Damien Lewis. Yeah, because uh, it was him that confirmed it. That so also another fucking life cut horribly short. Fucking fifty-two. Yep, aye, that's it for now. I don't want to refresh the page in case I find out anyone else. But, honestly, yeah. I'd just like to give a little shout-out to those who have passed away. I will take a little sip of my proper job IPA. I, I can't pour, out on, pour one out from my homies. It will spoil the carpet. <laughs> I thought I'd say I'd ruin a laptop. Oh, I, let's not fucking jinx it. Um... So, ladies and gentlemen, we are just about to go and get into our discussion on Scream from director Wes Craven. This is our spoiler warning. If you have not seen Scream, don't bother listening to the episode. Well, the rest of the episode, because you don't want to know who the Ghostface Killer actually is. You want to fucking find it out for yourself. Don't just let us spoil it for you. Sorry. This is it. Enjoy this little music. Uh, definitely copyrighted, but they're not going to find it. That's a secret between me and you. The cast of Scream includes Drew Barrymore as Casey, Nev Campbell as Sydney, Skeet Ulrich as Billy, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, W. Errol Brown as Kenny the Cameraman, Rose McGowan as Tatum, David Arquette as Deputy Dewey, Jamie Kennedy as Randy, and Matthew Lillard as Stuart. Like, what is the plot to Scream? 
a small town is plunged into terror uh, with a serial killer that's on the loose with a love of horror films. Mm-hmm. Pretty much it, is it not? I mean, uh, where do we start with this one? Uh, I mean, Mike, in short, what do you think of the film? I I, I really, really enjoy this one. I think I think actually was my, I think this was the one that got me into like, horror films at the time, because I think I'd seen Halloween maybe a couple months later after this one, so I think this was the kind of one that got me into it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it probably is in my top five horrors. Okay. So it's in high regard. Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you what my top five were, but um, I this probably was the same for me. It was like the film that kind of kick-started the trend. I remember being so chuffed about buying uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer on uh... fucking VHS tape. And I think that was just purely because of trying to find a similar high that you get from watching Scream. Stop it, you wee shit, or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Poor, I hope that's your cat and not your wife. <laughs> I know, he's wired and he keeps on like just jumping about trying to fucking bite me. I miss that other cunt you used to do podcasts with. Why does he come to the house anymore? <laughs> so right, we bought two. We bought two cameras for the for the house for the weekend that we're away, so you could sync up to your phone and look at them. <laughs> but yeah, I I do agree. This film is a is a it's a story. It's a fucking classic. I think if it's just because we were at that pivotal age as children kind of evolving through film and then like we've went through our action films we've kind of went into sci-fi and now we're at that pivotal age of are we brave enough to watch horror and this is the horror that everyone's talking about like it's the scariest thing going that you would fucking pee yourself a little if you saw someone wearing one of those masks and then just hearing the fucking videotape being dropped off at your house. It's like, oh, fuck, it's here. Now's the time. Oh, no, am I mentally prepared to watch this film? It was powerful back in the day. Yeah. Remember, your mum had a, like, undying hatred for the film. Aye, that was, I, I was. I was probably because obviously because obviously Gillian was at eight because Gillian was at age to obviously watch it. Aye, and uh, and I do remember. I think you're, I think she also showed to your mum and dad and all that. Yeah, and that's it. We're at that age where like my mum and dad used to fucking screen the movies that I watched. Like they would watch it first to make sure it's safe. And to be honest, I can only remember two examples. One uh-huh. being um, Lawnmower Man, and they never let me watch it. Well, no. to, to, be, to be honest, I've still never fucking seen it. Fucking mum's the word. I can't go back. I can't watch it now. If she said no. And then uh, Commando, she would not let me watch that movie until uh-huh. she had seen it. And I um, went to a friend's house at the end of the street 
fucking Stephen and David, they had it taped off of ITV and were watching it in their bedroom and about three quarters through the film. And then my mum was at the bottom of the stairs and was like, I know what you're watching. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I'm caught. I'm dead. Oh, no. Because they taped it and they were taking their fucking time and watching it. Like they, they taped on the Sunday. I would expect them on Monday morning to have watched it and now let me watch it. And they were just dragging their fucking heels. So I just went along to my pals, watched it with them because their parents didn't they care. They taped it. Fuck it. It's an action movie. And it was the best fucking action movie. And the fact that I got caught out. Oh. So maybe like your mum and like you said, like the wee fucking petties and all that. No. And it was Christmas for the pity was going on downstairs and me and you were upstairs watching Pulp Fiction for the first time. Fucking I, absolutely ending ourselves at some of the like, fucking dialogue. Aye, and that's it. It was at that stage where like, man, if they walked in and walked, caught us fucking watching this, watching like, all I can remember is the fucking gimp scene. It's like, oh, <laughs> don't walk in at this moment. It's like, oh, i just seen that fucking black dude getting plugged by a gimp. Or that it's like oh, I'm never gonna get a TV again. <laughs> oh man, I fucking oh Scream Boys definitely one of those films like all oh, cunt was talking about it. Uh, and I mean like it must have one of the most fucking significant open sequences uh, in film around that time like. The whole fact that, like, you had Drew Barrymore, her fucking face, like, her fear-stricken face on the front cover of the film is just iconic, that iconic image. And then when you watch it and you just remember, ah, she's only in it for 10 minutes. Yeah, but it's the fact that it was brave enough that you know, like they killed her off in the first... Like first, like it's opening, like in like half, like well, the opening, like fucking segment of the film. Yeah, there's something that wasn't done back in the days. Ah, yeah, you just assume like this is our lead. This is almost you could almost put it on par to when Steven Seagal missed the fucking stealth jet and executive decision, like. Ah, <laughs> can <laughs> oh. he can also like you would kind of expect to be about that, but nah, fucking. Scream did completely fucking change the slasher genre mm-hmm. with this. And a lot of people do say that this was a film that saved like horror in the 90s. Uh, yeah, Horror in the 90s, it was just kind of like mediocre fucking sequels and all. Like you had like your Friday, uh, what did you I had Friday, uh, Jason Goes to Hell, you had fucking Freddy's Dead, you had fucking Halloween Park Six, and they were all kind of met with shitty fucking reviews and all that. Well, that's it. It's all fucking uh, franchises that have all kind of went beyond like their sell-by date at that point. So to yeah. kind of get this fresh new IP where the, the I was going to say the audience, but the characters are fucking savvy. They there is a horror movie full of film buffs. Yeah. Like it just the way they spoke to each other, the, the fucking dropping references, and it was just 
quoting fucking films and talking about the rules established and things like the final girls and uh, it was just like it's such a fucking smart film it just kind of revived your uh, like slasher genre with is it right this it could be like this as well and it could just be as simple as kids wearing a fucking uh, Halloween costume running about with a knife they don't need to be supernatural beings with like all this paranormal element element it could just be a bunch of psycho kids that have maybe seen too many movies yeah and that's the thing like a lot of the stuff involving the film like can like obviously with the whole like the can it has that age-old question like does this art imitate life and all that obviously you get folk that can like do stuff in real life that will blame mm-hmm. he and music and you know? i like whenever whenever something bad happens can like fucking marlon manson was always to blame slip yeah always blame. matrix got blamed old boy got blamed i thought it was blamed fucking everything was blamed yeah I definitely uh, that's it wasn't there like a fucking stage where like that mask was banned then everyone was selling knockoffs and they were just like everyone wanted to be that for Halloween all they wanted to go around wearing the scream mask and then you would get the scream mask and it would have the little pump and blood would go through the mask like it's like the, the film that saved um, saved the slasher genre and fucking saved fucking costume shops at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. Let's have a look at what was my f- my notes. Uh, so I like the how fucking great was the the opening sequence, and it was just how they kind of established it. You just had like the constant phone calls between. Casey and like the mystery caller, the killer, and it just how nicely builds attention, and you've got the tension through the phone call, and then just whilst like the situations get more tense, that's kind of reflected with the fucking popcorn on the stove as well, where things are kind of yeah. just simmering, and it's getting more intense, more intense, and just when he fucking threatens the gutter like a fish and she's freaking out and they're just parents like just take the popcorn off the stove move it just, just turn off the hob jesus christ stop answering the phone you just see that like she goes to go and do it and Aye, then, and then and she the hesitates yeah and the phone goes so she just stops and all that it's like bitch do you want burnt popcorn Aye, and it was good. I just remember how they were talking about, oh, well, I've got my boyfriend coming over and he's going to kick your ass. And then it just cuts to him fucking tied up to the chair. And you're like, oh, no, what's happening? And I just, oh, I forget how long that sequence is. I just imagine it happening quick and then she's hanging from the tree. But it's just the whole saga of, like, her parents come home. She's outside, but she's also been stabbed. Uh, was it like in the lung, or and she I, she couldn't? I, I think yeah, she was stabbed at like, the top of the, like just below, like the fucking collarbone, I think, roughly. Yeah. 
and it's like great because like she's running and it's slow motion and it just gets behind her and it just shows you like the blade fucking plunging into her and then she's just kind of helpless on the ground but she's still holding the phone <laughs> the fucking poor parents listening to it yeah. hearing it on the fucking phone and then seeing her hanging from the tree at the end yeah ah, it's brutal it's fucking killed it's also when 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 fucking she's like outside and all that and you see him running about the house and like like, like the music played for it is really good aye like, crouching below the window and she looks up at the window and obviously he's there and he turns around I always remember the two of us fucking falling off the bed because we were on like the, sitting on the far end of the bed watching it aye fucking just on the fucking edge because that's it. it it was intense like we were we're not at the fucking age the right age to see that film well according to the box but yeah. it was still just like oh like it was a fucking roller coaster ride having to sit through it and to be honest i don't think i watched all of the film with you i think it got to the point where it must have hit eight o'clock and i had to go home and you had to tell me about it like the following week but it must have been just like that a minor relief for me going oh thank god like, Jesus Christ, that film. Like, my yeah. fucking heart would have been going because that was, it was intense. Like, that was it as a kid. Like, that was a fucking scary movie. So, but I, I think I saw it completely till fucking years later. But I do fucking remember when that film got delivered to your house. And you're just yeah. like, oh no, shit, it's on. Because is that not the fucking deal where, like, obviously, your parents had their TVs hooked up where they could be playing a movie in the living room and we could watch yeah. it, Ben, your room. Uh, and I've got two memories. There's one of us watching Scream in your room ourselves and obviously your parents would be watching in the living room. But then it was, like, years later or maybe the same fucking time and, like, your folks are watching Starship Troopers and we're in your room watching Starship Troopers and it gets that fucking uh, communal shower scene. And it's like, well, that that's a bunch of soapy tits right there. And all <laughs> I hear is your mum shouting in the hall going, look away! Stop watching it! Fucking <laughs> 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 oh, <okay>, <laughs> oh, But, oh. I mean, when Whiskey used to come on the telly and we were at the best, you used to always leave the room. <laughs> and I was like, she used to always always to figure out where it. So it was almost like she'd watched it before us and she knew when it was coming because she would leave just at the fucking bit where everything would kind of come off sort of thing aye and it's like wow okay <laughs> aye oh man anyway let's have a look I mean what what's, where does your notes start because I've also mentioned how fucking great that opening sequence is. And I follow up with just mentioning how fucking cute uh, Nev Campbell looked in the film. Like, her character Sydney was just cute as a button. Even though we're just like her and her I fucking... fucking... Had a massive fucking crush on her back in the day, like... Aye. And there's like fucking Billy chomping at the bit two years into a relationship. And there's just like... Still hasn't gotten the green light, and they already start comparing it to films. Say, man, like I thought we were like rated hard to begin with, 
And now we're just like, we've been like a PG for about two years. It's kind of funny, like, obviously, when, when, when you watched it years ago and, uh, and you didn't pick up on any of that. And then when you watch uh, it as an adult, like how much... How clever the writing is. I, like, fucking, like how heavily like fucking films and are like influenced in with the writing. Eh? Yeah, and that's it. It's just something different. It's like when you watch a like a Kevin Smith movie for the first time where it's like clerks and the conversations they have is like, man, this is like fucking conversations I would have with friends. And like this actually counts as a film. So when it's a film full of people and they're just they're they're people obsessed with film in a movie. It's like these you never see characters like this. Or if you do, it's one guy and they probably make fun of him. But this one, it's just chock full of people where all film savvy, they're 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 smart characters, they all know their references, they fucking quote in psycho, and you had uh, Jamie Kennedy's character working in a, like a, a no name video store and just oh the fucking nostalgia vibes there, but Aye, Nev Campbell was very cute in the film, and she was also just kind of at that that age where she was just must have been early twenties or something. But uh, that was my next note was like, there's so many young faces in this film, and Courtney Cox. Uh, and it's like it's completely night and day with how Gail Weathers as compared to Monica Geller. Yeah, aye, and that's it. was kind of great to see her being kind of such a like a bitch. Yeah, where like she was doing like she would do go to great levels to kind of get a scoop or try and fabricate things, and it kind of brought all this subplot between her and Sydney. Oh, yeah. Aye, the whole cotton and the the murder trial, uh, for for her mother. And that's always like one of those elements you forget about this film, and it's because it wasn't until like Rose McGowan's character brings up saying, "Man, this is like the first fucking thing major that's happened ever since." And as soon as she's about to finish the sentence, it's like, "Oh yeah, I uh, when your mum got fucking brutally killed." But it was it was uh, it does have a kind of like a I am trying to think of like the soundtrack. Like that, that song, I can't remember the song, but it was like when they're all at school the next day and the heavy police presence and they're all just wondering, well, Sydney especially wondering what the fuck's going on and it's kind of Tatum filling her in. Aye, I'm, I'm taking up, I'm talking too much, Mike. What what notes do you have? Obviously, because it's been like a type of like, like a meta slasher, it follows all the same tropes for like every fucking like slasher film that there is. But also because it's completely different, it kinda keeps you guessing and then it hangs it keeps you second guessing yourself as well because obviously we kinda had it like when we watched it obviously we had it figured well we thought well so we had it figured out with the whole and it kinda probably will be fucking Billy and all that. Aye. But then you get that wee sort of twist, if you will, like 25 minutes before the end and you're thinking right it's no him yeah and you just kind of I, I don't know again, also when it happens like that's how smart you're trying to think like 
I'm trying to think if I've ever really before then if you'd ever seen anything like that. Well, that's it. Like compared to the other horror films you got that year, like it's always one sole entity, one sole person that is on the fucking on the warpath. You've got Michael Myers, you've got Jason, Freddy, like the fact that it ends up being two cunts doing this. It's just like, man, like it's so fucking simple, but you just don't think of it. It's just in your head to think, well, it's there's one killer, but they're saying these costumes are fucking in every fucking gas station throughout town. Like, uh, of so- course, they could just fucking grab two and have these two guys go on a spree and fool everyone into thinking, well, it's clearly just one guy. But it just throws you so many red herrings when you think, oh, it's definitely Billy. And then it happens and you're just left guessing. It's so well done. Because even it's the same thing, like, also when it comes to the, like, the second one. And like, you had an idea, obviously, that it would be like two killers and all that as well. And then you get the whole, because also the second one's. Um, Billy's mum, who's obviously, she doesn't get her name up until like the actual very end and all that. Aye. And it's one of their other like classmates and stuff, and it's just, you, know, you kind of have that narrowed down, but then you kind of like, got the rug pulled under you, the fact that it's fucking Billy's mum that's done it. And it's something that you kind, of, you kind of forget, because obviously they talk about in the film that the reason that Billy killed Sidney's mum was that her mum was here in a fair way. Billy's dad. Yeah. And that the mum abandoned them and all that. And so you kind of forget that and it keeps that continuity. Exactly. And then yeah. also, like, that's like part of know, obviously, like, for the film having, like, three sequels, like, there isn't a, a bad sequel in that list. Like, I kind of obviously, a lot of people didn't like, like, the third one and all that. And I mean, that's, it's probably the weakest out of the bunch. Mm-hmm. But it's still watchable. Yeah. Like, does it does it lose any points when Jay and Silent Bob show up and fucking call out Courtney Cox going, holy fuck, it's Courtney Chung! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always forget about that. It's the strangest fucking crossover but, I mean, in, I, I guess, have... fucking Weinstein history. Yeah, but I mean, I, I have a fucking a massive soft spot for the second one, Ellie. Like, I think and the second one's like almost as good as the first one. Like it's just it's just no quite there. I think because uh, obviously you're used to what everything's like and uh, and you could kinda of figure it out slightly but then because obviously the, when you when you watch the first one you didn't really ken what you were getting into whereas on the second one you kinda of are. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, like, I'll can, like, I'll happily fucking, like, if you see folk that can say that it's not very good, and I'm like, well, can, in my opinion, I, it's fucking, like, almost as good as the original. Aye, yeah. Even if, like, a lot of people, like, do consider the fourth one to be, like, the, the second best in the franchise, but I, obviously, in my opinion, obviously, it's different, and obviously, every opinion's fucking just an opinion, there. there's no, no right or Aye. wrong. Exactly. Now, um, I'd like to give a wee shout out to, like, I love David Arquette 
in this. Like, it's well, just the dude in general. Like, obviously, yeah. he's kind of had a prolific career. Well, kind of like a roller coaster, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. But this is probably like his second most famous role. Uh, but it's just the way his fucking. Bye. Any chance as his best role ready to rumble? You fucking got me. Ah, yeah. <laughs> fucking you. <knew> fucking <laughs> Like, I, I must have just fucking wrote that note just to, like a wee bit of bait to reel you in. And obviously, we left this like a week. This this is recording like a week later than it should be. So this note, as I was reading it out loud, I was like, what's his most famous role? And in my head, I thought, is it when he won the WCW fucking title am i saying like his run in wcw is his best acting but i fucking forgot about reigns at rumble but you just fucking reminded me perfectly like yes he's a deputy but he's an absolute man child like the amount of times he gets like de-emasculated by his fucking sister rose mcgowan where she just fucking like said no sydney's same with us and like well did you ask mom and you're like oh man you you're an officer yeah. of the law. Fact like, that fucking this fact that he's got a crush on Gail Weathers. <laughs> and he's just he's there with like with his fucking first growing mustache and he's yeah. all trying to be professional, but he's an absolute fucking goof. You could see why they went the full fucking hog when they done scary movie and made the character fucking, <laughs> <laughs> fucking bit with a hoover. <laughs> and I, I told you to stop disturbing me and I'm cleaning my room aye. and it's like aye, you've been fucking dicking it <laughs> oh. now what about fucking Henry Winkler aye as a the head teacher aye I fucking thought it was a brilliant bit of casting I completely forgot he was in it he just he was there and He's kind of played for laughs, where he's just a wee bit of a joke, but he's just like, I'm your thoughtful head teacher, and I completely fucking forgot about him getting knifed. Ah, uh, because he's no, he doesn't have a lot of screen time. Like you only see him, like when they bring her into the office to be questioned by Dewey and the sheriff. Yeah. Then the kind of scene where he's. Uh, talking to the two boys that are running about the fucking the halls with the uniform on and then obviously when he gets knifed yeah uh, and when he, he has his wee altercation with fucking Wes Craven disguised as a the, <laughs> the fucking janitor in his Friday costume I know it's just his look just like why is there a homeless man working in the school and just with that fucking the long hair, the hat, the fucking jumper, <laughs> just this kind of jump reaction. Oh, what the? What's wrong? <laughs> no, you're fine, Wes. It's cool. Watched the day I watched blooper, like blooper reel. Right. <laughs> fucking, I'm going to send you the link, man. But it's the scene where fucking Wes is like mopping the floor, and then he pretends to slip on his wet floor. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, that's funny as fuck. Like, he properly, like, flips it and, like, kicks a bucket out in the sign in the brush and all that. <laughs> oh, man. Almost as funny as Sean telling the 
with door open oh. up your cunt. Oh, there's another close your cunt. Aye. <laughs> Aye. Oh, that, that bit they caught me out guard when I watched it. I was fucking ending myself. <laughs> We've all had a moment like that. <laughs> but um, now, one of the other interesting characters of this film is uh, Randy. Yeah, it's like Jamie Kennedy's character. And who you feel like, man, this kid has to be involved in it. And he isn't. He's just an absolute fucking like film nerd. He just he he works in what looks like a big chain video store. He he know like he knows his shit. Like the fact that they're name dropping the howling. Yeah. And he starts yeah, kind he, of doing like that big if he was going to be in a, a Ken Smith fucking film, he would be easily be the role as fucking Randall. Aye, he's totally that type. And did you notice? And obviously, fucking speaking of clerks, they had a big clerks movie poster. Aye, I've seen it. So, and obviously, it's all kind of part of like that Miramax Weinstein family. So it makes sense. But it was cool to kind of just see that and remembering that. Well. This is 1996, so Clerks was still probably just a big deal then. Mm. But, like, Randy feel like he's there sometimes just to kind of slowly give us, like, those big info dumps of, right, these are the rules. This is why this works. This is why that doesn't work. This is why we can't trust this cunt. And he gets to the point where he's absolutely just fucking screaming in the video store. I'm like, Jesus Christ, just calm down. Like the dude gets hysterical and there's fucking Billy in his face and he's like, um, um, aye, so because it obviously it's, it's the team of uh, Billy and uh, Stu. And I guess it's, it's like, like, like they're all pals, like they're, like they're this group of pals. Aye. And, and it's like there's, there is always that wee bit of kind of slight tension between Billy and fucking. Randy, because obviously, like Randy makes it clear, like kind of throughout the film, that kind of like he does kind of have a crush on like Sydney. Aye, yeah. Uh, he too has intentions on getting R-rated with her. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he wants to make the cheats clap. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that was that that definitely. <laughs> expressions fucking 20 years in the future but I like, I feel like half the film kind of wanted to bone Sydney because you had Dewey you had Randy Did, nah nah you wouldn't say Dewey really was he not? I thought he was a wee bit uh, I don't so aye right. um, but I do like obviously you have that great scene where it's Dewey and his uh, police chief and they give you the whole sort of backstory with Sydney's dad. Oh, yeah. Fucking Dewey shows up with like a wee pink ice cream cone mm. and you were getting like all this serious information about the murders, getting us all this essential backplot and he's sitting neck in his fucking ice cream cone. Mm. <laughs> just again, just being this man child. The next significant note I have here, which doesn't really have anything to do with the plot, but it's the house party. Like, it's the 
obviously when the curfew is announced. Yeah, like the longest house party in film. Whereas there's like two occasions where there's scenes shot of everyone leaving this party cut to all cunts still in the fucking living room. And like, how many yeah. people were in this house? But yeah, well, I'm actually got a bit of a, like that's part of one of my trivia notes is about the house party. Oh, okay. Um, we'll save that. Um, but honestly, this was a moment of the film where I paused it, I rewind it, I shouted on my wife to come have a look for herself. And I mean, Jesus Christ. Rose McGowan could have poked someone's eyes out with her stiff nipples in that garage. I thought you were going to talk about the... What, the, the, the head? Tit- no, the titles of the videotapes that were on the player. Oh, no, I did kind of see them. Because uh, there was a couple Carpenter. Was it definitely Halloween and something else? Yeah, and the Clockers was there as well. Oh, right. But no, it was just fucking Rose McGowan going to the garage to get the beers and just fucking the her nipples casted shadows. Yeah. And it was like, holy fuck. And it was like Marcus like, what? And it's like you I'll rewind it back because it's literally one shot of the film. It looks like the rest of the time she's fine, but I, like, I don't know if the fucking cold breeze hit her or she was fucking smuggling someone but jesus christ Aye. the stiffest nipples of 1996 it was literally like a, just this moment where i was left agape just like Aye. a bigger deal than it probably is but i was like jesus christ that like that is a that's a set of stiff nips if i've ever seen it like that's hall of fame stiff nips uh, it just—it's like, were they intentional? Was it just cold on set? God knows. Did they like have a fire extinguisher before filming? Like, oh, if we could only bring Wes Craven back from the dead to ask him the sole question, <laughs> or even if it was explained in Rose McGowan's book. Oh yeah. Like, th- there has to be at least a paragraph about it. And I mean, talking about like Rose McGowan, like her death was probably the most original of the, of the bunch. Aye, it's a like a big old goddamn moment where it's like just seeing that fucking rubber head going. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like I always like, obviously, like you can't help but no remember the scary movie fucking. Enter like the interpretation of it, where it's like a total chubby lass in in the door, <laughs> and the it door like, just fucking collapses on on air. Aye, and uh, it was like Tatum almost had a chance. Like she's yeah. throwing the bottles of beer. Like she almost kind of like, oh fuck, someone's gonna make it. She's gonna run in, but man, like, just her fucking too fucking force. She probably could have opened that door. If you ran at full force and just jumped at it. Aye. But just the fact that her fucking nipples got caught in the doggy door and she was yeah, stuck. That's, that, that was what happened there. That's exactly what happened. Yep. Just forward thinking. Just you thought the film full of film buffs was impressive. Oh, no. Yeah. 
but uh, it, was, it was a good effect. Just the fact that they never cut away from her face getting fucking caught and just hitting the, the, the frame of the, the fucking garage door and just, oh. Yeah. It was a flinching moment. And I mean, like, as well, also, like, you know, like another good, like, interesting bit of, like, plot of the film, as well as, like, another, another potential suspect is the whole, like, dad, because they obviously, yes. uh, he had a conversation with Julie, not saying that fucking, the phone calls connected to the house came for his, his, uh, his cell phone, and the car's found on the scene, and he's missing. No one could find him, but there's all these traces of him. Yeah. So it's another good kind of misdirect. And exactly, exactly what fucking like uh, Randy said is another red hair in it. Yeah. And, and then obviously Randy's big yeah. scene. Yeah. Like the famous rule sequence where what's it, they're all watching Halloween and he's there just going explaining the do's and don'ts of fucking horror movies and yeah. it, it's played perfectly for Stu's character mm, where he's yeah. like saying to all kinds hey well, want a beer and he just say, well no one never and then he just say never say I'll be right back because you never come right back and he just fucking nails them saying well I'll be right back and he just gets all over the top and it just the whole crowd fucking kicks off it was a good a really good moment but i did like how they're all sitting dissecting like they're all watching halloween and was it Stu? i think it was Stu's character was like oh man when are we getting to see some titties and he gets fucking corrected with is like oh like the only time she gets her tits out is trading places blah 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 like the fucking again a film that's so fucking smart itself where it's just like if IMDB was a character in a horror movie aye yeah and then actually I love how big a factor like Halloween plays in this third act like yeah they're watching it but the fact the whole they go to the length of using the music cues where it's like the killer well, going through the house and you go do do and it's just like those moments drunk on the fucking couch watching it I all cunts abandoned him he's just lying there with a bottle of beer all that fucking from the the phones hanging for the goalposts yes I and the old fucking is there a hightail he's wearing his Fonzie jacket that was hanging behind the principal's door when he opened it Hmm. Is that a thing? Aye, yeah, like when he's in the in his office, the door that's hanging for like the, the court arts his fucking Fonzie jacket. Ah, that, that's a good bit of trivia. So it's probably him hanging and then <laughs> when they go when the guy was like, Hey, I'm alive. Aye, he just got Hey, I'm not dead, it's dead help. <laughs> my I'm hanging from my intestines. <sighs> But uh, I do like, and also you get that additional element to like the, your voyeur element in the house when Gail Weller smuggles the camera in and it's on a, like a 30 second delay and fucking Kenny the cameraman's watching it all unfold. 
eating a big fucking giant ass bag of Cheetos. <laughs> Aye, and fucking Gail rides him hard. She gives him some shit about oh, fucking uh, losing some weight. Be faster. When I need you to do something, I'm talking about getting it done yesterday. I fucking, I still laugh at the, the bit where obviously she arrives at the house when Cindy's getting taken away in the car and He's like, Jesus gave me my camera, and he's like, you can hear him like, I'm not Jesus. Aye. 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 She is like, like egomaniacal, and like, I mean, like, all she could think about is, as I say, like, when she talks about how she potentially thinks that, like, and like, Cotton's innocent and the killer's still on the loose, and she's like, well, you cannot, like, walk day at my book sale. And like, Aye, exactly. Not herself, and mm. obviously, like, like she continuously pushes that in the second one, third one, and then obviously in the fourth one as well. Aye, I'd always feel bad when fucking Kenny gets killed. Ah, because he's just caught in the crossfire, isn't he? Exactly. Just and it is like it's almost like a a mystery when it's revealed to Gail. But they went to some fucking effort to f- help him up on the roof. Ah, no, like. But it's that great visual of her getting the lights on, and oh. the fucking window screens covered. And when she starts trying to clean it, and it just wipes the blood for left to right. That's a nice effect. Yeah. But I think then, like the big moment is kind of like this is where like Billy gets his moment, right? He's obviously. Stolen um, uh, Sydney's virginity, and he's like, I like right. He's like, I like how you say that he's stolen it. Like, like he's like stolen it as 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 to kind of say that you know, like he fucking like chained her to the bed, and he, you know, took that bitch. I true. Well, that's it's like part of it was like, well, it's long deserved. This boy's sat there waiting for two years to pop that cherry. And it's let's be honest, though, he probably got it somewhere else, right? Because he wasn't hanging around for two years getting the hunt. Where's he fucked? <laughs> I, I'm sure there's definitely he's he wasn't popping his cherry, but it was just Sydney was the sweetest, he ripest fruit. Like, <laughs> he, he's been tending to her for years. He's like, right now's the time, and it's just. Oh, fuck's sake. I, I would be quicker just killing your mum. <laughs> Maybe he was getting it for the mum. <laughs> fucking him and Stu have the same STDs. <laughs> I just it's... got a really bad moment. Like, fucking him and his dad double teaming the mum. Oh. <laughs> I've just got fucking images of Billy and Stu in their fucking Halloween costume scratching their crotches going, oh, man, I'm going to have to get a doctor's appointment on Monday. This is rash is not going away. Oh, but I do love it when like it, Billy finally reveals like his it, he does his heel turn, where he fucking quotes um, Anthony uh, Perkins, and it's just like oh man, and it just when you get Stu's motive, where he <laughs> just fucking jokes. It's like what are you doing? It's like oh you know uh, peer pressure. I'm, I'm I'm too sensitive. Yeah. It's like, oh man, these guys are psychos, and it's yeah. their whole the whole thing of right. They're following the rules. It's like they're playing a movie in their heads, 
and they start just saying, okay, right, uh, right, we need to make it convincing. We've got the dad here, and they start stabbing each other. And it's a thing, of course, when some cunt stabs you, you're going to be angry, and you're going to stab them even harder just to get them back for stabbing you in the first place. And it's when Stu starts kind of getting woozy. and Uh, He gets fucking hit like four or five times. eh? Aye. Like, these Uh. cunts are crazy. It's, It's just when it actually gets to... Stu's death. I know I've probably jumped a couple bullet points, but I've not got. I've only got three notes left. I think I just got to the point where I was engrossed in the film. But I bet Stu is happy because his death was more or less like Jamie Lee Curtis landing on his face. It's how he would have wanted to go. <laughs> exactly. Uh... <laughs> but also, still gruesome death because that was those big ass old fucking televisions. The ones I that's like got him. all that back to it. Aye, yeah, like, like, like nothing in it, but just nothing but frame it. Yeah, but uh, you don't want that fucking landing on your head. Yeah. I do like how they kind of give the impression, well, it's obvious when uh, Randy gets shot, it's so clear yeah. it's like a shoulder shot, but you keep forgetting, like, who's alive, who's dead? Like, fucking Dewey and Gale come back, get taken out, come back. And they're just like, they're piling bodies at the front almost. Yeah. Like, I can almost, like, surely somebody nearby would have heard and, like, gunfire and fucking folks screaming and all that. But then again, I, it always, always kind of looks like the house is, like... Really remote. Aye, like, in, like, out in nowhere. Aye. Some cunt's always got a house in the middle of fucking nowhere. And that's like, it. I always, the, I was fucking like when I was watching it, I was like, it's like, like is this film like only taking place in the space of a day? But it takes uh, that takes place like every two days. Like it's like yeah, it's a Saturday night, and then it it finishes kind of on like the fucking like Monday morning or like the Tuesday morning or something. Mm. Like it's almost like like night to night sort of like like night to early morning, like a two day cycle sort of thing. Yeah. I was like, is it really fucking only like one day it takes place there? And I was trying to fucking figure it out in my head, but it does take place there like more than one day. Aye, and that's it. It's kind of like the amount of times you see Gail change her costume or showing up to get in somebody's face. It's all kind of spread over the course of maybe like a long weekend, but. Yeah. I do like when obviously shit hits the fan and you've got your team of Sydney. Randy and Gail kind of get the job done. Like they, they beat Stu, they beat Billy, and Randy, being Randy, fucking calls Billy's jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just fucking nail him between the eyes. I see, that's well, that's what I had in my notes earlier. Really. It's slightly like Sydney saying no in her film doesn't make sense because. If for it to happen, knowing her, if it, for it to happen, for it not to happen in her film, mm-hmm. she would have just shot him in the head right away, and no ah. game the chance to can jump back up. True. Uh, but that's just can that's just can you know maybe me. 
And then again, you do get that other wee fucking last minute jump scare of the dad bursting through the fucking kitchen door, <laughs> like tied up in gas, like ready, ready for fucking Gailey rape him or something. No, we're, <laughs> we're leaving that behind. <laughs> <laughs> Our overall thoughts of the film is like, it's obviously just a stellar horror. Yeah. It's easily one of the most significant horror films from the fucking 90s. So, and obviously it is, it's been a film that's a huge influence us as fucking um, kids. Because uh, it's like you were saying, like, it started the trend of the whole teen horror kind of thing, because obviously a year later you got, I know we did last summer. Yeah. Fuck away and all that. Yes. Urban legend, all that fucking stuff as well but I so with BBT here what do you what do you reckon the budget was for this one uh, well he's well established so he would probably had to have and then I feel like it's also like a cast of kind of fresh faces Courtney Cox would still kind of that must have been in amongst your couple early season of Friends so she would uh, probably have been Drew as well probably wouldn't have been exactly cheap. Yeah, it'll be like, oh, recovering child actor. Yeah. So are they can fifty million? Is that a bit light? It's a bit too fucking heavy, mate. Aye. <clears throat> but this one was fifteen million. Holy shit. Fucking Wes knows how to make magic. And I'm assuming as well that it was all it was all practical effects because there wasn't really anything digital in it really, you know. Aye. I think we got more digital stuff like in the third one and stuff like that. I'm sure that knife throw to the fucking head was probably digital. <laughs> Aye. Um, obviously, it was it was released on Christmas in 1996. All right. Very, very unusual move. Yes. Yeah. I think when I was reading like, the budget, it was it like Wes wanted a film, like a film for like horror fans to like have something to watch during the festive period. <laughs> this family-friendly fucking Christmas films. Oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what do you reckon the? box office for this one was uh, well since I fucking fucked the budget with 50 I'm going to stick to 50 like domestic 50 million uh, halfway there domestic at two, 103 million Jesus Christ that is a big fucking That's chunk a, of cheddar a decent, decent mark up for fucking your Budget anyway. Aye. And then obviously, what would you, re- you reckon it done as well in the foreign market? That's obviously everything outside of the States. Uh, what was the domestic number again? Uh, 103. 103. Do you, oh, I reckon, did it make 200 in total? It didn't. It didn't make 200. Oh. All right. Well, what was the total figure then? Yeah, so in the foreign market, it took 70 mil, so it took 173 worldwide. 
Oh, that isn't bad at all. So that, uh, pretty much or uh, ten times that's fucking. Well, am I right in saying that? Yeah, I took it's uh, made its fucking money back ten times. Yeah. Aye, no, definitely. Uh, Aye, that's it. The fucking studios would have been chuffed with him. And obviously that was, I think also when I was reading like the trivia, and I'm pretty sure like actually when, as soon as it was written, I don't know why I'm sure Kevin Williamson, the boy that like produced, I'm sure he wrote a 15 page draft for the second one, right? Like regardless of the uh, box office figures, the, the success yeah. or not. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got uh, two two decent trivia notes here. Okay. Well, actually, I've got three, actually. Three. Um, so, going back to the whole party scene. Yep. So, the whole party scene from beginning to the very, very end, like, we were engaged in front of the fucking camera talking, it runs at 42 minutes long. Right. And it was shot over 21 days from so day one they started filming at sunset and then they finished up at sunrise yeah and the cast and crew were just saying that it was like jokingly like as much as they enjoyed it saying that it was just fucking torture and they all collectively wore shirts that said that I survived the fucking longest shoot in Hollywood history and all that <laughs> Ah, that would mess with their fucking body clock. I bet the continuity was a nightmare if it was over fucking 20 days. Mm. Jesus. And obviously the last bit of trivia is obviously we talked about Wes Craven dressed up as Freddy as a janitor. Aye, yeah, that was special. They also had another cameo in the film. You roughly... Roughly, I guess, where he was on the film. Hmm. Uh, fuck, I, I can't think. I think if he was... Would he, could he have been another cunt at the party? You, yeah, you, you wouldn't have recognised him. Was he on the TV? Was he in, like, no. an advert? No, he... he um... He was actually dressed up as the killer that was tormenting Casey at the start. All right. And when she hit some with the phone, like she actually hit him in the face with the actual phone. No, <laughs> uh, oh, that's it. I mean, what about the fucking scream parody that they do in uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? And they run into the, the fucking ghost face killer and ends up to be like Suzanne the orangutan. Aye, and like, um, and like Wesley doesn't even care, right? Yeah. Uh, the fucking actor's like, I've had enough of this shit. And he's like, eh. I mean, he's not quite Gus Van Sant couldn't know his money in the chair. Aye. But, and Jamie Kennedy is the fucking the personal assistant to Chris uh, Rock's yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, fucking Shaka, fucking. Aye, uh, Shaka Khan. Aye, uh, Shaka Khan. Yeah. And he just fucking gets him like this 
fucking white coffee just so he could slap out his hands. Oh, uh, fucking. I because I, I was looking at Scream, I was like, man, that Randy's familiar, and he's like, put a fucking backwards cap on him, and that's it. He's just this, this fucking abused fucking pe- like, personal like, assistant. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you're spitting it, and he's like, no, no, and he's like, you put booger in, and he's like, no, it's like, taste it. I could taste the booger flavor. Aye, uh, yes. like, no, it tastes really nice, sir. Yeah, and it's like, it's like does your dad know what you do? Did your dad like would it kill him that you serve a black man's coffee? When he starts going on about saying that he had the original idea for <laughs> for Sesame Street, but <laughs> been stolen. Oh and I can't, yes, can't quite say the full title, but it was yes, N- yes N word with puppets. <laughs> Honestly, like that bit will fucking just break me every time I watch the film. Oh, that film is a fucking cracker. Oh, right. Um, so, let's see. That is the BBT. And next time on the Films and Swear Movie Podcast, we're catching up with the Oscars. We've done a, a recording over two sittings. We're going to deliver you our predictions and then follow up on the same episode with our reactions. So... Uh, you've got that to look forward to. If you'd like to hit us up on social media, you can. Uh, you can find us at FAS Podcast and at Mikey Van B for Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. So, um, other than that, that's us. We've reached the end of our 1996 season. It took a lot longer than what we thought. <laughs> yes, I. Because I actually forgot that we done we started off with Cable Guy. Exactly, it was like that fucking. Had to have been two months ago. Well, that was it. We were just uh, coming up with. We done January at the very end of January, yeah. so it had to have been about February that we came to get like we planned out the nineteen ninety six season. Got Cable Guy done. And wasn't it just going to be like a three episodes? Aye, but we're going to do we're going to do the Rock and Independence Day in one episode. But we ended up just doing them as two because it was just so much to talk about. Exactly. So I, Cable Guy, Independence Day, The Rock. Now wait, yeah, that was it. It was like yeah, comedy, I... action, and horror. Yeah. I was like, there's another film we've not mentioned, but aye. I could be that. I would put a lot of nineteen ninety six stuff like during like your ninety season and aye, exactly. Like, like when we done like our disaster, when we done our disaster season, we had done like Twister and all that. Yeah, and like Fargo's been done already, and so yeah. But aye, that's it. It's a kind of a short season, but. Not too sure what we'll do if we're going to do anything this summer, or maybe just start looking for October, start planning a, some sort of Halloween stuff, some more uh, horror. Try and maybe try and get something done with and coinciding with Halloween kills. Oh, That's fuck yes, right enough. Did we even, did we, have we even done like, a, like an actual proper review on the? 2018 Halloween, I can't remember. We kind of 
did. It was like a when we were done. Aye, when was it? Aye, yeah. So we did. It was. It was kind of like a, a three review. So we were. I, that might have been like that episode where we done Scream Four, we done something else, and then we stayed on after it and gave our reactions to Halloween. I do remember we were no, we were no planning on doing. We're not going to cover some of the other Halloween films on the year after, I think it was. And then oh, because that was the year we did uh, Season of the Witch. I was on Season of the Witch, Rob's one was Halloween 2. And yeah. then that's when I had fucking been hospital with that fucking like, vertigo shit. Aye. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sticking with us. I thought this was going to be a nice short episode, and I realised it's almost two hours again. I know. Again, that's how much we fucking love the 90s. We will not stop talking about it. But we will. We have. We're done. I've been your host, Stuart Sutherland. And joining me across the internet, Magic Mike Christie. Ladies and gentlemen, bugger off and tune in next time.